What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Ian with the Unbiased Freedom Podcast. And uh, we've got Thomas here with us today, as usual. Yo, yo. And of course, Sean Ledford's with us in Alabama. And uh, we have a special guest today that I'll let Sean introduce as we're going to go over the topic of UFOs and anything in between. So we're excited about this one. Take it away, Sean. Hey, listeners. Hope everybody's doing well tonight. Uh, we have Eric, a good friend of mine from uh, work uh, at Amazon. And he's going to be joining us just talking about UFOs tonight. So, um, Eric, if you want to lead us off and just jump us right in, man, wh- where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Um, first off, um, I really enjoyed the podcast and I thank you guys for having me. Um, well, UFOs is something I've been interested in for a very long time. Uh, not too many people that I've known my whole life really have been interested in UFOs. And um, I really wanted to start off by asking you guys, what do y'all feel about the uh, the UFO, you know, the military, basically, that, that the link that I sent you guys about Donald Trump speaking on the UFOs and military and having a basically a defense for UFOs. Basically, I wanted to know what you guys thought about that. And didn't he uh didn't he kind of comment uh basically saying that uh the the new space force was also going to be used to be able to defend the earth against existential threats is that right yeah yeah i was and i was wondering when when he was speaking on it you know i was i was like you know does he not understand the the capabilities of you know possible ufos and possible life that you know coming from outside of earth you know and how advanced that they could be and whether or not that, you know, his first instinct should be to go to war, or have a defense from him, or even try to make peace for him. You know, it seems as if his first idea with all this is to go straight into war or defense, like as in we're going to get raided or our planet's going to be taken over. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Isn't that always the first thought for government, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah, first. every every terrible sci-fi movie I've ever seen. It's always exactly where way. they jump. Well, yeah. Every good sci-fi movie too is Well, the same I don't know. Premise. Independence Day, they did try to do it pretty peacefully to begin and then the, you know, the light ship got, you know, blown up. Yeah. 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 That's right. such a good movie, It man. is such a good movie. <laughs> I mean, Will Smith at his finest, let's be honest. Yeah, and then they had to go and ruin it by making a second that was just trash. And they killed off Harry Connick Jr. Are you kidding me? I know. Gosh. Right. Man, I love that guy. He plays piano and sings great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm serious. Have you guys listened to him? No. No. I mean, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. No, he's got great Christmas albums, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know it sounds weird. It's Halloween, but uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, we're a little early, Ian. Like, like, give it a month or two. All right, all right, that's we'll, fair. We'll get there. Yeah, it is definitely though, uh, interesting to to see now how they are actually starting to release some more of this information. They, I feel like the government's been dripping information to the public since the the sixties and seventies, and now I think the snowball is getting much bigger as we have the internet and we have right. an easier way for people that are ex military and ex government that or ex-scientists that work for the government to come out and actually speak publicly about it without being afraid of any repercussions because if they disappear, everybody's going to know about it, you know? Right, yeah. Well, in the videos that I, came out... I mean, but let... Oh, go ahead, Sean. Let's... I was going to say, let's be honest, though. I feel like... I feel like Trump's probably, you know, just talking out the left side of his face. I don't, I don't think he really has any inclination uh, as to whether or not they truly exist. 
Um, that being said, I, I mean, I, I totally 100% think that they're definitely out there. Like, there's no doubt about that in my mind. Think about think about the money and the the cost of all the the equipment and the people recruiting for this, you know, UFO security or deep whatever he wants to. Hey, there's a technical term that he come. I can't remember the exact name for it that they have, but you know, think about the money that he spent into this. And like you said, he there's not a 100 percent sure chance that he knows whether they're real or not. You know, so whether this was a good move or not on his end, who knows? But just think about the cost of what he did and. And basically defense instead of what, you know, he could use that money into more research into ex- like, you know, expanding our opportunities as to finding out about UFOs, you know, further on in the galaxy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think what I think what the uh, what you're trying to remember was the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program called ATIP yeah. for short. So that's what everybody's been talking about, because that made headline news in the United States straight out of the Pentagon. And actually, the History Channel has recently done a documentary series on the Nimitz UFO encounter that happened off the coast of San Diego over the Pacific. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, so they interview a lot of these Navy, uh, Navy guys, the, the Navy pilots and people that were aboard the ship in the radar room who, after the sightings were occur- had occurred and they recorded it on film, they had people from the government unannounced land in a helicopter pick up all the radar uh recordings the hard drives and just disappear and that was that and the guys are like i've never seen that happen before and if you if you've ever seen any of the interviews with those pilots and them describing it and talking about it you can tell how genuine they are about it and they're just like i have no idea what this was i've never seen anything be able to move with that kind of capability we have nothing like that known to man right now and it's just an absolute phenom. They have, you know, it, it just blows their mind. And you can tell in the, the Tic Tac video yeah. where they they finally catch it on the, the lock, yeah. the tracer lock. And they're, and they're, they're like, just Holy like, shit. oh my God. And like, they get super excited because they're like, we got it, we got it. And you can tell it's just like a genuine <laughs> reaction. Yeah. yeah so it's they, crazy. They were followed. Their fighter group was followed yeah. and they were, they had multiple hits on radar yeah. that were in formation and they covered thousands of miles in minutes to follow this strike fighter group that was training over the Pacific Ocean. That's incredible. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Just to be clear, we are talking about the uh, video of the Navy pilots that came out a couple of years ago. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's correct. And All was right. officially released earlier this year. Correct. Yeah. yeah. They declassified it in like July. So they, I remember when it was officially released at the beginning of the year. Yeah, so this originally happened in 2004 and 14 and 15. There's three separate videos related to to these groups and go ahead thomas so what i was going to say was so apparently i was i was um you know at work i get bored so i listen to all kinds of stuff and so one of the things i listened to a couple months ago was uh, was ufo stuff and apparently now i don't know if this is related or not but during the same time frame that there was a lot of videos of ufos being recorded on the east coast there was a spy ship, a Russian spy ship, traveling in international waters called the Viktor Leonov, uh, Leonov and uh, it was in international waters. And so now, of course, they're thinking maybe it was some kind of drone system that they were doing surveillance Actually, with. Russian technology. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting, because it was at the same time that there was a bunch of sightings that happened on the East Coast. 
Yeah, I was gonna say, wasn't the um, wasn't like the original, uh, not Blackhawk, but uh, the the original like stealth fighter. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking the stealth fighter. Uh, oh I mean, yeah, yeah, it might be the B fifty two. The uh, F A. Oh, what is that? The uh, one seventeen or something? Stealth fighter. Yeah, I yeah. I was gonna say. I know that one was originally picked up um, overseas as quote unquote a UFO, but obviously it was just us testing out. Right, and then the SR seventy one technology Blackbird, equipment, which was the pioneer of all these jets that we're talking about today. Right. So another thing that I found really interesting, I don't know if a lot of people don't know about this. Um, so you know how Roswell happened in 1947? Yep. Do you know yep. what happened in, let me pull it up just so I have the correct date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, January, I believe it was January 1st of 1944. You believe it is? No, I know. It, okay. It was, it was January 1st, 1944. <laughs> okay. Do you know what was filed? I don't. A patent for something called the discopter. And if you look it up, it looks exactly like most of the UFOs that are described. Interesting. And who owns really? that patent? Yes, sir. Uh, it was Alexander Wiegers was the one who filed for the patent. It's a wingless, heavier-than-air flying craft whose outstanding example until the time of instant invention had been the helicopter. So it's a self-like... And if you look it up, if you Google it and you look at it, it literally looks like all of the UFOs and everything else. And they have schematics for it and everything. And he's oh, got I the think patent. I've seen test footage of the military, yeah, like hovering that right and above the ground. It's pretty cool. But so that was in 1944, and then 1947, there was a flying saucer that crashed in Roswell. I wonder if it was maybe the uh, army or somebody trying to make something similar to that, and it ended up crashing. And that's what actually it was wouldn't surprise me Man, it's that's crazy that's crazy i'm looking at i'm looking at pictures of it right now that that's exactly insane. what i'm doing I'm- yeah <laughs> it's really cool if you look it up and uh yeah that was uh that was but, actually something i found today and i was just like oh we we're gonna have to talk about that because it it oh, looks yeah, that's pretty crazy cool, yeah no absolutely that, that, that's nuts but going but, that um, was just going I back mean, to like think- things when they first you know were invented and stuff like that you know right I mean, you would think though that if that's that if that's all that it was, that like all these years later, they probably would have disclosed that. I mean, they already disclosed, you know, um, CIA experiments on people's drinking water and shit. So why why wouldn't they disclose that though? You know what I'm saying? Unless there was some kind of crazy advanced technology that they somehow stumbled upon and are afraid of it getting out. So just a just a profess this so bob lazar if you guys don't know who that is worked for uh s4 which is a site at area 51 he came out back in the 80s and took his buddies onto a specific mountaintop and said hey look you're gonna see some crazy lights in the sky if we come out here at this time and so he brought people out there multiple times they eventually got busted and once it was discovered that he was an employee of area 51 what we know of it today or s4 which is that site number, they fired him. Mm. But um, he claimed that the U.S. government found 
these UFOs at an archaeological dig site, that they're absolutely ancient. Wow. That's what he said. That's what he was told. And he his job at Area 51 was to actually reverse engineer them and determine how they functioned. Because he said that he was replacing a person who had actually died on the job trying to figure out how this engine worked. And so basically, he says it's a sphere that is complete anti-gravity. And they were able to figure out that it runs off of a fuel source called Element 115. He was talking about this in the 80s, guys. Element 115 wasn't officially added to the periodic table until the 2000s. Now it's, now it's a real crazy. thing. Hmm. And he's talking about it 30 years before that actually happened. And, right. and the government, of course, when he came out about it, uh, he had, uh, you hear about men in black. Well, he, he was told by men in black. He was, um, told that, you know, you better stop talking about this or we're going to hurt you or your family. We're going to make you disappear, this kind of thing. So it's pretty crazy. If you, if you think about it, how far the government will go to keep a secret. And, um, I believe the guy personally, he's, he's been on uh, Joe Rogan recently within, I believe the last year and Joe Rogan talked to him extensively. And uh, he's a physicist, and he actually still has a company today. I think he lives out in Michigan. Um, but the guy is pretty, uh, pretty interesting, and um, what he has to say holds a lot of merit, in my opinion. Right? Didn't they? Um, didn't they do like a documentary about him or something? I believe. Yes. Yeah. There's multiple documentaries about Bob Lazar. I encourage anybody listening to to my voice right now to go check it out uh, or check out any of them. The most recent one, I believe, came out in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I actually got it, um, and it's absolutely fantastic. Very, very good. Lots of really good information. Of course, Bob Lazar is interviewed on that. Um, so uh, it's pretty, sure, it's pretty yeah. wild to think about. He's now, uh, is, isn't it true, though, that a lot of those people that have been on those documentaries and such... Um, have come back uh, later on and like retracted their statements saying that they're just like straight up not true um, or been caught in lies about stuff like that. Sorry, I'm playing devil's ad- advocate for a second here. Uh, Bob Lazar stands, stands by what he's done. Um, they've, the U.S. government went back and, and far and revoked his credentials. Um, basically all the schooling that he went to, they have no records on where he went to college anymore. They've like basically tried to scrub him so that he's unbelievable, basically. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, so he is very, of any, if anybody you can talk to, I know there's a lot of ufologists. There's a lot of people in SETI that are very interested in UFOs, UFOs and, uh, SETI is an, uh, an organization that takes, donations it's a non-profit and they actually try to take donations and they go and look for um signals in the sky uh buying time for satellite arrays basically just looking for signals so one of the things i wanted right. to talk about was the wow signal i don't know if you guys have heard about it but it happened back in 1977 there was a a radio signal that was received by one of their uh, radio arrays and it was an unknown signal that they've never seen before. And to this day, they've never seen another signal like it. And they thought it was a beacon because it had a set interval that, that it would occur, but it eventually they lost it. They couldn't find the signal. And that's another very interesting thing to me. And, you know, we talk about technology and stuff, but our radio frequencies that we've been emitting from earth are 
barely outside the solar system at this point in time. So if you went further out, as far as where Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 are, you could actually watch history play out on a VHF UHF receiver and see the see old school TV episodes and history just play out in real time. So it takes a long time for radio signals even though they travel at the speed of light. It's very slow in outer space at the distances we're talking. So my right. my thing is is if that's a radio frequency either that thing was moving really fast and we only got a couple of pings off of it or it's something we don't understand yet about outer space, you know, um, some kind of explosion that generates radio waves, which we know that every body in the solar system generates radio frequencies um, with electromagnetic. Yeah, I was going to say. All kinds of wild stuff. So, Yeah, I was going to say, I read an article uh, on that speculating that um, those radio frequencies were actually emitted by a black hole in that region. Um God, I can't remember who wrote it. I'd have, I'd have to look at it again. It's been so long since I watched, uh, since I read it. But um, I mean, it's, it's it makes for a very interesting read, and it definitely may, like gets your mind going, um, you know. Because I, truly and honestly, we have no idea. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it everything's up in the air at this point. It it could literally be anything. Any theory is plausible until proven. On well, the in the universe is so just expansive yeah there's just there's no talent yeah there's no way that we're the only intelligent life out there yeah no that's 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 one thing i wanted to speak on was uh like you know growing up i've thought that from a very young age you know maybe from five six years old you know when my mind was able to process things like space and you know uh i was you know doesn't matter really necessarily what you believe in if you have a religion or if you believe in science or the big bang or whatever and in my opinion i feel as if there's no no there's no way possible that there's this endless galaxy with endless uh, endless universe with millions of galaxies upon it and there's only one planet with any form of any type of life you know technology or anything you know i i've never like from the age of like five or six i've believed in this you know what i'm saying Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you can't go out and look up in the sky and honestly believe, well, yeah, we're the only intelligent beings. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way, man. And, and the more that we find out about the universe, uh, you know, there's just, uh, to me, there's absolutely no way, there's no doubt in my mind that there are other, even more intelligent beings than us. Yeah, and it may not be necessarily aliens like the the typical alien you see, like the big green, uh, uh, right. uh, upside down teardrop head with big black eyes. You know, it may not necessarily be aliens like that, but there's it's something. You know, it could there, be there Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a he's, he's one actually, of the lizards. He's, he's a reptilian. A he's a reptilian. <laughs> ah, okay. Kamal is definitely a reptilian. <laughs> Those damn... I don't know. No, Joe Biden's a gray. You can tell oh, by the saggy oh. skin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not old obviously. age. It's because he's a gray. It's a skin suit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're joking, obviously. But um, So I, I want to be honest uh, and go around the room here. And uh, Thomas, we'll start with you and, and Sean and work our way around. If in your head you think aliens exist, what do you think we would find would be the first life that we would discover. And Thomas, I'll let you go ahead and I'll be last. Like in your imagination, what what would you foresee that 
we would discover like what would the being look like or what would it right. be yeah would it be would it be Honestly, microbial would it would it be multicellular will it be a single cell oh i think organism? the first thing we're going to find is some kind of microbial uh organism either on mars in the underground water system that they found in the poles yeah yeah or um what was it one of the the jupiter's moons i believe where they were talking about or yeah europa was. Yeah. yeah 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 and uh, I believe a, it's got a huge ocean, right? That. So I believe it's going to be there um, at first, but it wouldn't surprise me, it's, and it's probably not going to be in our lifetime. Um, I would assume that if if we ever do find actual aliens, the likelihood of them looking very similar to us, I think, is extremely high. I can I can see that because we do know that there are a lot of Earth-like planets exactly in in the galaxy, and we have a unique physiology. Well, nature has shaped us in a way that we can survive and move around right. and and defend ourselves and eat based on the things that are around us. And, you know, of course, the mass of the planet is going to dictate oh, how yeah. much muscle mass you're going to have and whether you're tall or short. And, you know, so there's Easily a lot of that- accessible to food and get overweight like Americans, <laughs> like me sitting here. <laughs> you're not overweight. <laughs> uh, Sean, what do you think, man? Uh, well, I mean, like Thomas, um, I, I actually, you know, realistically speaking, um, from a scientific point of view, I, I absolutely think that we're, if we do find life anytime in the near future, it will probably be on Mars in, uh, one of the underground salt lakes that they have found. Um, but it'll be, you know, Probably something like a single-celled organism, prokaryotes, uh, eukaryotes, whatever, uh, stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I differ a little bit. I, I feel like if we do find um, complex life out in the system uh, at some point in time, that chances are it's not, it's not going to look very much like us because I don't feel like... Um, I don't feel like we're going to find a whole lot of uh, carbon-based life forms personally. Um, I mean, that, you know, obviously that viewpoint could change at any point in time based on what they find. But that's just my that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I'm I I would agree with that, too. I mean, I don't think life is exclusive to being carbon based whatsoever. I could see, you know, it being some kind of gelatin type, you know, goop that just floats around inside of some nitrogen ocean or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's yeah. Well, I mean, here's a, here's a a thought for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a thought for you too. Um, Like, you know, there's been speculation about like silicon based life forms, um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's wildly interesting to me personally. I think that would be so cool. I mean, you know, you're talking about like, so for anybody that that is um less educated on the subject than than what I'm stating um a silicon life based form would be like silicon is like what we make computer chips out of um it's like the basis for the majority of our technology today so i mean it would kind of be like an ai just naturally evolving um and there's no telling what something like that would look like yeah actually i was going to my answer since i'm you just segued into it 
as far as intelligent <laughs> life, I don't think we'll actually see organic life. If we see intelligent life, I think we're going to see a byproduct of that and it's going to be um, some kind of AI or robotics. Just think of all the drones that we've sent out in, in space today that we have all these rovers and, and drones and satellites that are collecting data and sending data back. I would, I would think that we might see an old alien ancient probe, you know, floating around in space or something or catch a signal on that, or it's just AI and it's figured out how to replicate itself using whatever materials they have. And that's their, they've, that's their life form now, you know, it's taken on its own thing. So, you know, you think of the Borgs from Star Trek, those guys in the big square spaceships, you know, you you could kind of, oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you you never know, but um, that to me is makes the most sense as far as life because we know life doesn't do well in space not multi-organic you know multicellular organic life as we know it doesn't do well in the vacuum of space and and we're not very good yet at making humans live in space for really long periods of time not from the standpoint that we could send somebody to the nearest earth-like planet and survive we don't know how to do that today we know the concept right. we just don't have the technology to do it um and i think we'll get there Eric, what do you think, man? Um, really, I'm going to have to, as far as, you know, here in the near future, as far as us finding any life form, I'm going to I'm gonna have to agree with Sean and Thomas on it being probably on Mars. But um, as far as any complex life forms out there, uh, what I would hope for is maybe whether it's a silicon type life form or an AI type. Um, I would hope that it was someone with enough intelligence to communicate with us, you know, and uh, give us information from wherever they may come from or whether it's from this galaxy or from another galaxy, you know. Um, but most definitely what I would hope for is that. But as what I think might possibly be out there now, realistically speaking, is probably some sort of AI, you know, some some form of, you know, robotic type life form out there, you know, because. um you know, like like Ian was saying, you know, the um all the drones and stuff that we've sent out into space, you know, you know, we can't necessarily survive a long time in space, but you know, robotics and, and a drone could last for who knows how long, you know, without any any, you know, interference with its, you know, goal, you know. Well, yeah, if we can right. if we can come up with the technology to download the information in our brain and upload it upload it to a robotic slash organic body and yeah oh, you could, that would unlock so many so many possibilities i mean then you really could put people in a spaceship and just go <laughs> well, and then you could even just download them into a system and you could transport it on this tiny ship everybody's right? a hard drive you, yeah. you can put a million people on a hard drive exactly. and you can replicate these robots in space from mining asteroids and all kinds of cool stuff and then create them on the way to this next planet that you want to go and and colonize you know so yeah. I have a See, question. Now y'all have now y'all have hit on uh what I think is actually probably the future of humanity. I think we're gonna get there one day. Um because I mean if you think about it, the brain really isn't that different from uh a computer. Um nope. maybe just like less efficient. So if you can figure out a way to map and download um, you know, memories and thoughts and things like that, I mean that's yeah. 
imagine we do that and we do come across some sort of UFO from, or not UFO, but a, another life form, you know, imagine we can, we do have that technology and we can do that and we come across another life form. Imagine the, the uh, things that we could unlock and the possibilities that we could unlock, you know, possibly working together or using each other's technology, you know, and imagine the things that we could do as far as, you know, space travel and building like maybe even cities or, you know, any type of thing like that in space, you know, more efficient space travel to where we can go to other galaxies and explore and really find out, you know, the truth behind if there really is, you know, other life forms in any other galaxy, every other galaxy, you know, and so forth. So I have a, a question for everybody. So okay. I have, I'm sure most people have probably heard this theory that humans were dropped here from panspermia. Well, from like basically <laughs> from another world to help populate because either a failing society or, you know, whatever. You talking about that Disney movie where people are still on Mars and there's people? No. Oh, okay. No. I'm thinking more like, have you seen the movie? Um, <laughs> uh, shoot. What is the name of that? It's that Nicolas Cage movie. Um, oh my goodness um i think i know exactly what you're talking about it'll come to me yeah so basically in the movie uh his son we're gonna need that movie guys his son is like into these these numbers and then he gets on signs no it's not signs um oh shit um Uh, frequency no not frequency frequency. that's another good one though damn that's a good movie um but anyways (laughs) so he's he's doing this and then at the end of it, his son and this other girl's daughter get taken in a spaceship by an intelligent being and dropped on this world, and they have nothing to start, and they start from absolute scratch. So something like that could have happened here. I think that's an interesting way to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like we're an experiment to see if we made it, it could make it, and basically see how far we get, or uh, use us as a resource to improve or find out what they did wrong to try to improve it for a future society. Right. You never know, man. There's some, and it could be that the UFOs are coming in and checking and seeing how society is doing. Yeah. What are these people doing down here? Yeah. Well, UFOs um, historically are very interested in nuclear silos. We have a lot of um, uh, stories about uh, nuclear sites in the Midwest of the United States and even um, over in England where uh, you've got these missile silos during the Cold War, you'll have strange lights that'll appear above them and the um, sequence, will they'll, they'll be completely shut down. The and Nick Cage movie, Knowing. Knowing, yeah, okay. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to Google it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm glad you did. <laughs> I'm glad you did. It was, I was sitting here thinking about it. This right, whole sorry, time. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but if you think about that, it, it, you know, to your point, like if that's what they're doing, it would make sense that they'd come down here and try to stop us from blowing each other up with nuclear weapons, you know? Yeah. To protect what they started. And, you know, honestly, it could have been they got advanced it, and we could have gotten to nuclear before they did and it could have been nuclear that ended their society. Yeah, you they're know, like, I mean, no, you're going down the wrong path. Exactly. It's really, it, <laughs> right. there's so many theories out there, man, that, and, and honestly, we just, we have no idea, if, uh, you know, if any of that's true or not. We have no way of knowing. So have you guys heard about the Kardashev scale? Okay. The- uh, that's the, that's the civilization scale, right? Like where you're at as a civilization yeah. based on your power consumption. Yeah. So the Kardashev, I'll, I'll, yes. I'll fill in everybody. So the Kardashev scale is a method of measuring a civilization's level of technological advancement based on the amount of energy they are able to use. 
The measure was provo- proposed by Soviet astronomer, astronomer Nikolai Kardashev in 1964. The, the scale has three designated categories. A type 1 civilization, also called a planetary civilization, i.e. us, can use and store all of the energy available on its planet. Um, there are some people who disagree and say, well, we're not using all the energy on our planet. We haven't discovered all the energy that's usable on our planet. And there's probably some truth to that. But for all intents and purposes, we are a, a type one. A type two civilization, also called a stellar civilization, can use and control energy at the scale of its planetary system. So, uh, you know, you could say in the future, maybe we can harness the power of the sun. We can mine resources on Mars. We can, you know, extract resources from um, Jupiter. I mean, it's looking that way. Yeah, I mean, we're getting right. we're getting there. Actually, look, I I actually was watching the news tonight, and they had um, a little expose on a probe that was just sent to an asteroid and touched down, grabbed a dirt sample. Um, That's right, NASA to see just did what it. kind of minerals. Yeah, so what, to see what kind of minerals awesome. it is, and it'll be back. It'll be back in the next three years. Yeah, so Japan's actually already done this. The U.S. is a little behind, but uh, we're 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 now on the same playing field as they are as far as you know collecting resources off of asteroids and we know that there's a lot of metal and precious metals in asteroids in the asteroid belt that's between mars and jupiter in our own solar system so there's actually companies and you can look this up today there are companies that are already researching and stating that there's trillions and trillions of dollars in the solar system that we can access and bring these minerals back to earth or mine them, make things off planet and bring them back. And they're, they're talking about doing this in the next 30 to 50 years. And there's, there's plans right now to go and start doing that. So they've got plans to go pick up asteroids that are flying near earth, slow them down so that they can mine them and bring, or bring them back to earth, uh, in its, um, in, well, in its orbit. Okay. I got you. Right. They want to be able to bring them into orbit, and then while they're close to the planet, they can go up, mine them for a few weeks, bring the cargo pay- <laughs> payload crazy. back. Yeah, because you know if we try to come through the atmosphere, it's just going to burn up unless we have some gigantic right. spaceship that can contain you know massive scale size asteroids, which is unlikely. It, it unless it's built in space, but then it's probably a, a one and done. You just come into the come into the Earth and land, and that's it. You know. Um, Right, and something like that is not really. Yeah, it's not feasible. It's not really a, yeah, or or realistic because I mean you're going to spend all this time and resources building something like that to have it land on the planet and never use it again. Yeah, and then a Type Three civilization, real quick before I go off of <laughs> go straight too far, um, is also <laughs> a is also called a galactic civilization. They can control energy at the scale of its entire host galaxy. So. Um, they're transdimensional beings. Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, and there is a, there is a theoretical device. Um, let me see if I can Google it. I, I don't describe it real quick. I mean, yeah. So there, the theory is that there, um, you can build, um, a, it's called a Dyson sphere. I just thought of it. A Dyson sphere oh, yeah. around a, a sun or a star. And you can actually collect all the energy that the star produces for the life of that star. So you're talking millions, potentially billions of years worth of energy 
that you can do anything with. And we already know that wireless transmission of energy is possible. They're doing it with lasers now. Japan's talking about collecting solar energy in outer space and beaming it back to Earth in power receiving stations at the ground through lasers. So if you could do that, and lasers are at the speed of light, you could actually transmit energy from the sun to the outer solar system, and we're talking days or weeks. You know, so that's pretty wild right. to think so, about. That's technology that we know exists today. That would be an interesting way of like interstellar travel because then you could transfer transfer that energy through a uh, laser and have it set up on the exterior of whatever ship or, or you know, and just feed it, feed it power and it feed it power the whole time. It'd be like the roads basically and like Tel Aviv where it's generating power and charging the electric vehicles as it drives. Yeah, so they've actually got a design for that. It's called ah. a, a light sail. Okay. And so today, yes. NASA already has a light sail. They have a prototype and it's been it's proven technology. It's a big sail. It looks like a big piece of tinfoil and it's huge, massive in size. We're talking huge scales, multiple football fields. And what it does is it collects the sun's solar energy and it propels it through space. And so the other theory is, well, if we build a huge laser array on either Earth or Moon, Moon preferably because you don't have an atmosphere to go through, right. you build it in the moon, uh, on the Moon and you just shoot this laser device at the light sail, you can speed up and propel an, uh, a spacecraft up to light speed with this. The, problem is, just, laser. the problem is just stopping it. We, don't, <laughs> we haven't figured that part out. <laughs> right. But we know that that's possible, and that's wild. And they're talking about that's pretty sweet. That that in our lifetime, and we could surpass awesome. the farthest yeah. man-made Hawking, objects Hawking in space. Hawking came up with that, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah, it was one of Stephen Hawking's yeah. theories that he, you know, of many things that he had thought up during his lifetime. All right, right. So, Eric, you got uh, so, something so, else you want to touch on? Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you there, Sean. Oh, no, that's we fine. Got, um, we went I, off a little bit. <laughs> no, we did. Actually, um, I did have a question pertaining to what Ian was talking about, though, for everybody else. Um, if, we, you know, if we do encounter uh, life in the somewhat near future, um, what, what type of civilization do you think we're likely to encounter first? A type one, a type two, or a type three? Well, assuming we're a type two, which I think we'd have to be to even which it, it'd be more probable that we're going to be a type two civilization in the near future. I would say in a couple hundred years, you know, um, assuming we last that long. Yes. Yeah. Assuming we last that long. Right. And we don't blow ourselves up. I would think, um, it'd probably be more probable that we would first encounter either a type one or a type three, honestly, because a type three could be anywhere. And a type one is going to be isolated to a planet. That's exactly what my answer was going to be. A type two is going to be a little harder because they're going to be kind of like us. Right. They could be spread out in their right. solar system just like we are. We got shit floating around all over the place out here, you know? <laughs> Some UFOs True, probably yeah. flying by like, what is that? And they pass that Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, they see, yeah, they see te Tesla with the spaceman sitting in the driver's seat. The paint's right. all faded on it and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what do you think, man? Uh, really, honestly, if I had to think which one we'd encounter first, uh, you know, it's honestly with the way space and, you know, things work, you know, the universe and the galaxy works, it's really, really unpredictable and it's really hard to tell. But 
I would probably have to go with the. I, I want to say a three. You know, like like Ian said. You know, consider more type two. You know, I'd probably sure, have to sure. say a three. But like you know, like I was saying, it's really, really, really hard to tell. You know, you never, you never really know what could come at us at any day, at any time. You know, we could go to sleep tonight and wake up and find out that. You know, a, a whole entire civilization of people have showed up to the planet, you know, or entered the orbit of the galaxy, you know, so. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. very true. It's very unpredictable. Space is very unpredictable when you really get into it. And if you're really into space and you think and you have a very, you know, wide imagination, you know, because the possibilities are endless when it comes to space and, you know, the galaxy and time and traveling and through space, you know, it's all just. It's unpredictable. Well, and there's also a lot of people out there that are like, you know, the sci-fi movies and stuff are so unrealistic. Well, they said that yeah. back in the day. When and now they half had, the stuff in sci-fi it, movies we're doing. Exactly. So, right, so the yeah. stuff that we're talking about now in sci-fi movies are 100% possible. Yeah, we have planes now with lasers that can shoot down missiles. Yeah, exactly. Like we're talking Star <laughs> right, Wars yeah. here. And like in yeah. the original Star Trek, when they were talking into this little thing, you know, and now we have cell phones. Or in James Bond, he talked to his watch. See, that's and a, now you can talk through that's, your watch. That's another good point. So, all right, communication, guys, is going to be key. Obviously, if we've got people all over the the galaxy right now, oh yeah, we're communicating over radio frequencies. So, if you've got somebody right. on the moon, it takes, I believe, nine seconds for a radio transmission from the earth to reach the moon. So you've got an almost a 20 second round trip delay before you get a response back on Mars. It's even more, it's like 20 something minutes. You send a message, you wait a half hour and then you wait another half hour and hope that you get one back from the people <laughs> sitting on Mars. <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. unrealistic to think that we're going to be able to utilize that as a effective form of communication, especially in the event of emergency situation. So my, my thing that I wanted to bring up is, quantum mechanics and quantum communication. There's the idea that quantum communication is possible because there are a couple of universities that have proven quantum entanglement. So they've taken uh, two uh, photons and they've put information into one and it appeared at the other photon at the exact same time because it was quantum entangled. So if we can do That's this with crazy. if we can do this with light and they did it over the expanse of the ocean it was a university in Australia did it I believe to a university Dude, in the that's states. That's crazy. Yeah, you got, look it up, guys. It's crazy. So the the idea is, if like, you, it doesn't even sound real. It doesn't sound real, but it is. <laughs> I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like the stuff that we see in the movies that don't seem real. Like there's stuff that's like that. Yeah. Now so that, that Star Trek communication would have to be something like that because they're communicating vast, different, you know, vast, vast, immense um, data over who knows how much time. You know, it's all made up but the thing is is if you want instant communication anywhere that's the only way that we know that we could do it so you could, oh, you yeah, could convert that we know of we could convert audio into data put that data into a quantum entangled photon and then that data magically appear and i say magically because we actually don't understand exactly how quantum entanglement works we just know that it does work but then you receive that data instantly so you could have uh, an entire internet over the solar system, you know, in real time. Yeah, that shit, that shit's wild. With quantum computers, you know? So quantum communication, that's, that to me solves a big problem that I foresee us as a species having, trying to reach this type two civilization and, 
and especially a type three galactic civilization. Right. Yeah. Um, well, for me personally, I feel like we're probably more, I feel like we're probably more likely to, um, encounter a type one or a type two. And if we do encounter a type two, I feel like they will find us before we ever find them. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. I feel like any, any civilization or any life form that we find or find that finds us is going to be very, very, very more advanced than us way beyond their technology is going to be way beyond ours. If in my opinion, you know, that's, you know, if they find us or we find them, I feel like, you know, yeah, if they find us, it almost have to be right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And if we find them, then, right. you know, in reality, we probably will be more advanced. It just depends. They may not be looking for us like we're looking for them, you know? Right. And that new, um, that new, um, telescope that they're supposed to be replacing Hubble with that keeps getting delayed. I think it's now delayed to 2023. Um, I can't remember the right. name of it. If you, if somebody can look that up, that's replacing the Hubble, but they're going to say, they're saying that this thing is not only going to be amazing what the image quality is going to be it's going to be like going from 1080p to 4k with regards to taking pictures in outer space but on top of it did you find it thomas yeah it's called the james webb space the web yeah the james webb jwst or web okay so when that thing goes out they're also saying um they're going to be able to use that as a plant planet hunting telescope so they're actually able to look at different um infrared lights um and different frequencies of light and measure what we know to be different materials in that atmosphere based on the light color that's passing through it. So we're looking for um, planets that are in the Goldilocks zone, or for those who don't know, the Goldilocks zone is a planet that's so far away from the sun that it can contain liquid water. It's not frozen or it's not too hot. So it's right where you want to be, which is where Earth currently sits and they're going to look for planets in the goldilocks zone for carbon emissions basically the same thing we're producing now as pollution to find out if any anybody out there is doing the same thing we're doing through photos yeah so i was just looking uh on the nasa website um it said on october 6 it actually completed all of the environmental testing needed for launch and showing that it will actually survive launch um, on a rocket. And then on the 14th, they said that they're one of the first things they're going to do is seek dusty galaxies, uh, which basically are galaxies that are uh, from the first billion years of the universe. Wow. So they're trying to look back in time, yeah. basically, is what they're doing. That's so, pretty cool, man. So the planet hunting telescope that I was referring is actually NASA's TESS. Um, and it's. Um, it's actually completed its primary mission. So it's in space today, and it's currently discovered 66 alien planets and 2100 candidates that wow. scientists still need to vet. So just There's think, guys. There's no way we're alone. Just think. At the time that we were born, I was born in 88. In 1988, NASA and nobody else had any idea if it was possible to have planets outside our solar system. We could not identify planets that were orbiting another star. And now we, we can and we are every thousands. day. Thousands of them. That's, That's crazy. Oh, so they're, they're actually yeah. mapping in this now. They're mapping. It's incredible. I love Yeah, an interstellar, an interstellar map is going to um, be key too. Because I mean, you're going to have to know where the hell you're at. 
Yeah. And imagine how much data that's going to take up. Like, holy shit. Golly, that oh, hurts that's my brain. insane. And it's, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's going to have to take into account um, celestial drift also, because I mean, as time moves forward, you know, things are going to drift further apart as they do. And so, like, I mean, they're going to have to it's, update that, like, constantly. It's basically going to have to be a simulation of the entire galaxy as we know well, it. Well, and anything that we can see right. now is millions or billions of years. Well, and, and, and to think in from the past. In, in the, the past, past because exactly. life, life travels at light speed. Yeah. And that's not as fast right. as you think it is yeah. <laughs> in space. <laughs> so when we're looking up at these stars, I've, I've read that it's possible that a third of the stars that we see in the night sky no longer exist. Right. We're just seeing the light right. as it's still reaching Earth. So just imagine if one of those, like the North Star or something like that, actually has decayed. And eventually, one day, we're just going to get this huge, just poof, oh, um, of light from you, it. That would be amazing. That's actually going to happen in our lifetime. We're going to get to see a star explode, really? and it will it will be the second brightest thing in the sky to the moon for like wow. ten years. Wow! Yeah, yeah. Our ancestors, early humans, got to see this happen um, a, a couple of times. And any so, idea on when that's going to happen? Yeah, let me let me look that awesome. <laughs> let me look that up because I read about that and I was like, I can't wait for this. Yeah, because that's going to be something that I mean, that's that's history books. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure, it would be a fitting way to end twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, let's watch the galaxy explode at the end of the year. Ah, oh, just a star. <laughs> yeah, so the star that I'm talking about is called uh, Betelgeuse, and it's going to go supernova. Oh, yeah. So um, they're saying it's going to happen in the next 100,000 years. That's not the one I'm thinking of, though. So hang on. I'll, I'm going to keep looking at looking for it. All right. While he's looking for that, Eric, what's uh, what's something else you wanted to talk about, man? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I actually had a question for you guys, and uh, I've reasoned for the question behind the question. Um, you know, in the beginning of the cast, I, I said, you know, I really haven't had too many people down here that I grew up able to talk to about, you know, UFOs and space and whatnot, because, you know, either they just weren't interested or their theories were just completely unintelligible, you know, so. Right. My question at first is, do you guys think that the government honestly has anything to do with space? Uh, you know, the galaxy and UFOs. And the reason behind the question is, um, I'd say maybe two or three years ago, around 2016, 2017, um, I actually did have a buddy of mine who, you know, he said he was interested in the topic and, you know, space and whatnot. So it was one day after school, um, we were just sitting there conversating and um, we got into the topic of, you know, nighttime and daytime and, you know, how that works and, you know, and he's obviously, uh, unfortunately, he's a um, a flat Earth. You know, he's a flathead, as they call him, oh, or something oh, like that. <laughs> okay, so that that's where the that's where the negativity started right there. Was that he was telling me the Earth was flat, and you know, I usually there at that point I cut it off. But he's one of my good buddies, so I gave him the chance to talk, and you know, he was telling me. Um, and this very this is like I've never heard anyone say anything like this in regards to space or anything like this, and. Uh, he said, you know, we were talking, to, like I said, we were talking about day and night and how it works. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I said, so what is your theory, you know, seeing as how you're saying the earth is flat? And I said, so what is your theory on, like, you know, the stars and day and night and how that works, you know, and the moon? And, and, I, and I kid you not, guys, like, like, I cannot make this up. I already know what you're going to say. His exact words, <laughs> his exact words were, 
the government turns on the stars and swaps the lights like he is he said it's basically like there's a lamp on top of us and there's like switches he said the government flips oh them gosh. at a certain time <laughs> so, like the, he, he turns the stars on with the with the switch and he turns the the sun on and off with the switch or hey, can, like can the you, government can you it. have his buddy and the government turn on some stars over my so, house because they're kind of dead. oh no trust me yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, actually, dad guys they said there's a whole entire room in the white yeah, house or somewhere yeah. underneath the white house that's a control room dedicated to just that like the controlling space and the weather and everything so no that that that's crazy um <laughs> yes. so i i actually uh took i a thought dive. i was crazy yeah. damn i took a dive one time um, no, that, that, like i, I said got, that's probably the craziest thing i've ever heard yeah because i got interested right. uh, i heard some things about flat earth and i just kind of i like the hollow earth theory personally yeah. well, I, it's kind of cool so i started doing that's a little way better bit than of thing, flat you know, earth, digging and all that <laughs> stuff and uh i heard all these arguments like it's controlled it's this and that i even heard that they use a projector and that's what causes oh my god but then when you start looking at all the facts and everything there's no way the earth is flat there's absolutely no, it's, no. A, it's impossible no. it's actually impossible and the government can't even control they can't even run healthcare or schools properly how the hell you think they're going to be smart enough or responsible enough to control the sky. You know Clinton is turning the lights on and off. You know he with is. With a flip of a switch. Like, come on now. The stars aren't going to come you on. You really think that somebody in the government isn't going to forget to flip the switch one time? Is that why? <laughs> yeah, we like that, that would have happened. That, yeah, I bet, right. I bet Clinton was getting his uh, jollies off. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we, he's like, oh, fuck. Hit, hit the comment button. Yeah. Let's distract Don't everybody. Don't you think Trump would be like, I have the best stars here we go. This is Trump star. <laughs> this is Trump star. I even made it say Trump. Even if that was possible, it would have just become possible here recently is what I tried to explain to him. There's if no that way. was even There's a possibility, no it would have just, maybe not even yet, not even yet. It wouldn't even, I asked him, I said, so how do you think for the past centuries have, you have know, we have tell time? This, this is like just that? the Truman show, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did right. yeah how did humans tell time how did humans cir circuit navigate the earth you know uh, in ships using stars when the government didn't exist was, with that technology no, it was back alien then. governments then yeah that doesn't make any sense there's Dude. so many holes there it's like a hooker because he's going to tell you that they put it in your head and they want to brainwash you anything you've ever learned from a textbook because they're Sounds like he's something more. Oh, man, oh I, I, it's him and his father is the two that I've actually sat there with them two and listened to them tell me all of this, and I and yep, I soaked it all yeah. up just so one day I waited for the day, this day for this to come out. This is <laughs> years. This is yeah, the perfect look, opportunity. There's no look. That's look, just that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's like believing that your car isn't in your fucking driveway and doesn't exist just because you can't see the motherfucker. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's the most Are unrealistic thing I've ever heard. Like that's Stroding, the that Schrodinger's I car. <laughs> Dude, when you shut, yeah, car. when you sh uh, shut your front door and you can't see your car outside, it's gone. Or that's like thinking that you know. Well, actually, it's if both, you're in the it's car, both there and not there. Yeah, yes. you literally have to yes. park your car inside your house so you know that it's yeah. there. You know that's, yes. that's or about it's how like it's thinking seen. you being in your car and then the whole world spins, but your car stays in the same spot. Oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> like you don't like. I mean, and that happens with everybody, and somehow it doesn't all get entangled. <laughs> right. Well, oh, real quick, Lord. guys, back to the exploding star because I found it. Oh, sweet. So, oh, awesome. Um, 
five Sagittae is the name of the star. So I'll just read this quick excerpt from sciencealert.com. It's so faint, it's hard to find in the sky, even with a mid-sized telescope. But over the next few decades, as it sucked into a nearby white dwarf, all of that could change. Experts at Louisiana State University now think this pair of celestial underdogs is destined to become the most luminous star in the Milky Way galaxy, brighter than even Sirius, which currently holds the top spot. At least that is for a month or so, some 60-odd years from today. As the star and its dwarf companion gradually become one, their merge is set to create an explosion of a lifetime, and it's just around the corner. Around the year 2083, its accretion rate will rise catastrophically, spilling mass at an incredibly high rate onto this white dwarf. With this material blazing away, says astronomical physicist Bradley Schaefer from LSU. In the final days of this death spiral, all of the mass from the companion star will fall into the white dwarf, creating a supermassive wind from the merging star appearing as bright as Sirius and possibly even as bright as the planet Venus. Dude, that's crazy. We'll be like wow. in our 90s, so the chances like... We'll be in a hospital, sitting in a bed. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know. The medical you know, advances hopefully... between here now and then, you never know. We could, <laughs> be, we could be on a hard drive and just boot it up for that. I, I boot me yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully by then they, fi- <laughs> they figured out how to download boot our consciousness up, and we'll... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, just bunch of be, we'll just be a bunch of fucking datas running around, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. <laughs> be like Ready Player One running around as avatars like just oh man i'll be master chief yeah choose choose a different choose a different body every day yeah another great movie by the way yeah yeah oh absolutely i heard a rumor that there's going to be a second one oh dude i hope so that's such a good movie yeah i need to watch that again it's been a minute yeah i do it came on the other night and i was like this is as good as it was the first time i watched it it's one of those that you every time you watch it it's still good did you see it in theaters originally no i wish i did i did Oh, you suck. Yeah. But, and, like another one, this one actually kind of pertains to this, Interstellar. Oh, Great movie. You know, they're working oh, on a, a follow-up to Interstellar. Sweet. Yeah, they're going to pick That's up That's one right. I cannot say I've seen. I've seen trailers. What? Dude, you have got to watch it. Dude. If you're into if this you kind like of stuff, UFOs you have got to watch Interstellar. Hang yes. up the phone now and turn on <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> that is I your homework. I'll have to check that out tonight for sure. It is, yeah. oh, yeah, it is yeah, the best sci-fi movie, movie that's came out in the last 30 years, and bar none. It's, and it's another one of those where the, the science fiction, quote-unquote science fiction in it, it's super plausible. Well, here's the thing. They actually see, did. I've been told to watch it multiple times. I've been told by many people to watch it, but I just never have come around to it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they employed like actual physicists yes. to assist in the movie. So, yeah. So, as you're coming up on uh, a black hole, um, what you see... It is um God, what is that term? Um when you the time the, dilation. No, the event horizon. Yeah, the event horizon. The yep, event yep, horizon, yep. which is the point in which you can't return <laughs> when you, you've entered a black hole's gravitational pool. So they actually had physicists, like Sean say, and they created a computer model of what it would look like to be in a, in an event horizon, and they did the math on it, and it's been scientifically vetted. So like it's now like the staple of what it what a black hole would actually look like warping space and time around itself. And that's in the movie in CG. It's phenomenal. It's and it's really good CG. Oh yeah. Really good CGI. Oh. Phenomenal. Yeah. That movie and I mean, is it does, excellent. Do y'all know of anywhere you can watch it on any streaming service? 
All of them, probably. <laughs> I don't know, but if you have to, yeah, it's on. It, it's on Hulu. I know that. Okay. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. I know what I'm watching. I got it on my favorites, man. Yeah. I mean, it does. It. I mean, it hits a little bit of everything: space travel, um, theory of relativity, time dilation, black holes. I mean, you name it, and it's fucking in there. It's just such a good movie. And and Matthew McConaughey is the leading guy, so that's it's awesome. It is on Hulu, and it's yeah. if you have the premium subscription, it's on there. But it's two ninety nine to rent everywhere else. Yeah, I would just buy it. It's oh, worth fifteen bucks. It one bar none. It is. It is such a good movie, and they're working. The acting is phenomenal in it, too. and they're working on a follow up to yeah. the first one. Yeah, it's in production oh, right I love now, it. and so it's gonna pick really? up. Yeah, it's gonna pick up, and I don't want to spoil it for Eric, but for those who are listening, At who know, end? yeah, it's gonna pick ah. right up from the end. Yes. Right yeah, up please in the don't end, spoil guys. it. Yeah, now you've got me. I kind of do want to just hang up the phone and go ahead and start watching now. <laughs> He's like, screw the podcast. <laughs> yeah, How you know, I got to go start watching. 72% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because people don't understand it. I, Google users, it's, it's con- a 95%. It's confusing if you don't understand a lot of these concepts we're yes. talking about. It's yes. probably people right. like my buddy who believes that the government turns on the stars with the light switch. So it's probably <laughs> people rating it like that. So. <laughs> The same, the same people that think the moon landing was a hoax. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I can't stand people who say that everything about the moon landing and uh, the space stations and satellites are fake. I just, I can't, I can't stand it. I can't stand seeing people talk like it. Did you hear about the guy yeah. in Nevada who died trying to figure out if the Earth was? Actually oh yeah, he was with he was his a own flat rocket. Earther, wasn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah, with his own rocket. I was like. Karma's a bitch. Well, apparently he. I, I actually remember <laughs> seeing this. Uh, apparently he was a a stuntman. So it wasn't uncommon for him to do stuff like that anyway. Yeah, he was just a bad And it actually turned out he actually wasn't a flat earther. He was... So he tied himself to a rocket? Interest. Oh. Yeah. And then he killed himself? And then he... he, Well, he didn't mean to kill himself. He was trying to get interest in the event and actually trying to get more people to come because then the more people came, the more money he got, blah, blah, blah. Well, his wife got all the money. Yeah, well, good for her. (laughs) Right, yeah. Hey, I can imagine he at the last second he's probably like, "Well, shit, this was stupid," and then boom. I mean, that's gotta have been the last thought he was thinking. Oh, that that really sucks. Now knowing that though, I feel bad for the guy because before knowing that, I was right. I was shitting on him pretty bad. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. that's kind of what I thought too. And then I was I don't even remember what I was watching. It was some kind of I think it was infographics or something like that, and uh, on Facebook and YouTube and stuff, which are really really cool and. They're not very long. They're kind of condensed, and they have some really good information on uh, various topics. Oh yeah, um, and they yeah, were I was gonna say they cover it. the gambit. Yeah. Oh yeah. They they have all kinds of stuff. And uh, but yeah, when I found that out, I was just like, that sucks. <laughs> like, like, damn. See, whenever y'all hear anything about a flat earther trying to prove a theory that the Earth is flat, I tend to not entertain to them. But you know. Sometimes I can't help it just because, you know, I, I know that it's not flat, so I'm going to have to just watch to just see what they might be doing to try and prove the theory that's, you know, obviously not true. But, you know, when it, <laughs> now now knowing that, you know, I actually didn't know that he was not a flat earther. I actually thought, you know, he was too. So, that's you know, I do kind of feel bad. But at first, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he's really trying to prove a theory about, you know, the earth being flat. You know, why even bother? You know, it's not going to prove anything. Man, I would love to talk to this dude. 
Honestly, <laughs> I was we, honestly, on the phone? I was honestly thinking the same thing. Like that would make for a very <laughs> fucking interesting Dude, podcast. I, I would, I Man, would hey, love listen, to do a flat one day Earth we special. Might can do it. I'm sure he's down. He will literally, he will argue you, and he will tell you why he's right and why he knows that it's the truth and why he knows that. When we go to sleep that night, there's a switch that they press or flip or. So wait a minute. You know, <laughs> I, I want to know how his dad found out the the secret oh, that let's nobody see, else listen, has. And this is what I was so yeah, sad is- about. I was so sad about this. You know, his dad was really the one who was first talking to me about it. You know, and his dad grew up teaching his son that you know teaching his son that theory from the time he was a baby to the time he grew up, like basically having him in his arms, like you know. The earth is flat, baby. The earth is flat, you know, and then he grows up and he grows up and, you know, he starts getting a little bit more intelligent. You know, he's about five, six, seven. It seems like he was just, you know, hey. Intelligent in quotations. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Emphasize the, you know, intelligent quotations. But anyways, uh, his dad pretty much basically taught him that, you know, because his dad was trying to teach me, don't believe what's in those textbooks. Don't believe what they teach you because that's the government trying to get into your head and brainwash How you. many books has this guy written? <laughs> and right. that's uh, you know i have to ask him you know i actually have to you know text him or call him and say hey man you know what's your what's your opinions on you know the earth and you know how the how the you know day and night works you know and the stars work and ask him and is the but you know what people, and everything. you know what you know people, people this is exactly, exactly why you need to properly educate your kids thank yes, you and make sure they pay very good attention in science class and you actually start learning about space and stuff like that around the time i, I believe third grade or so so you're you're very young when you start learning about space and planets and everything so you should definitely not be 17 years old thinking that the earth is flat and that the government turns on the stars in the nighttime and daytime with the switch so Golly, and changes the weather with the switch as well so that that's sad i'm just man. saying yeah, I'm just saying if that if that if we're all totally fucking off base and this turns out to be totally true in a society of people that can't keep people uh, can't keep a secret worth a shit. That is the best kept secret in the world. No kidding. I mean, that's even better than 9-11. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. <clears throat> hey, I've got my own thoughts about that. I think we ought to do a podcast on on that. Okay. Um, there's some interesting, weird stuff that is true versus the things that the government told us was true. Um, but because there's a lot of money involved, you know, there's a lot of entangling alliances, so to speak. But oh, sure. The point the point is, um, you know, it, it's kind of scary that there's people out there that actually believe lock, stock, and barrel, you know, and will fight you tooth and nail that that's a reality. And that's scary, man. Those are voters. <laughs> <laughs> Those are voters. You're right about that. People, people our age, you know, grown, you know, with, you know, responsibilities in life, you know, going around telling people, you know, don't, don't you dare think that the sun or anything is real. Don't you dare think that, you know, the government, then. As far as, like I said, the weather and stuff, you know, like he's basically saying, you know, there's a blow dryer on top of the earth being, you know, heating us up during the, you know, the summertime and, and the wintertime. It's basically like they stick the earth inside a freezer, you know, <laughs> like those are the oh type of things. Then how do you have seasons? How do you have different temperatures at right. different parts of the earth? 
Well, because you put the yeah, you, you put I, the you put yourself on the you put Earth at the top shelf in the back of the fridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to understand how one can think that way. But you know, when whenever they're that deep to where they're so serious to where they'll fight you about it, you well, know, like I've I've heard you know, other no theories point. about flat about flat Earth and stuff where some of their theories like. They put some thought into it, and you know, it still it doesn't sound- really make sense, right? But that—that's just batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, like that—that that made me scared. Actually, like I, I kind of gave him a look, like you know, you okay, man? Like, what did you just explain to me? You know, like I've never heard anything like that. I mean, you can go to any science class at a university, and they've got weather balloons with GoPros in a battery pack, and they could send them up. 65,000 feet up into the atmosphere and clearly see the curvature of the earth. I mean, you can do that all fucking day long. His dad and him will tell you that those are all painted pictures. Every picture you've ever seen of the earth, every video you've ever seen is either CGI or it's painted or it's just fake. So every picture that they've taken themselves is fake? Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, all the people who have actually gotten into a ship and went into space and actually gotten f- photographs and videos, all of that is fake. All of it is painted. All of it is, you know, you know, CGI. Every- wow, yeah, before CGI even before existed, CGI huh? Existed. Yeah, oh, yeah, all, all oh, yeah. of it's been fake. No, it existed. You just didn't know about it. It was just the government that had it. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, no, right. The government, that government was hiding that, too, I'm sure. So. <laughs> They also okay. have the cure for cancer, but they don't want it because they're making money. Yeah. You know, they have the yeah, cure for cancer. Yeah, there's a cancer sitting in a filing cabinet right now. They yeah. can just go open it out of a filing cabinet and save the world. But <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I there's mean, so many crazy theories about the There's government. a little bit of truth to that, though, with regards to the pharmaceutical companies. Oh, if well, if yeah, they cured, yeah. if, they, if, they, if they fixed all illnesses, then they would put themselves out of business. So Yeah, we don't want to do that. I mean, pharmaceutical companies are in it for the money and it's a business, but I mean, they do amazing things. They do a lot of good research. I'm not discrediting that by any stretch, but if they healed everybody's ailments, they would be out of a job. Yeah. Yeah. There would be no reason to have them because everyone would be healed. Everyone would be cured of cancer. That's why any other disease or whatever. That's why uh, Samsung and Apple make new iPhones every two years because they just if they made the perfect phone, nobody would buy the new one. So they would, you know, but granted, it's crazy. They actually got sued for slowing down older phones. It's crazy. (laughs) They they actually got sued for that and actually sent out a $25 fee to all that people in like with an older iPhone device, you know, they sent out $25. Like one of my buddies had an iPhone six and they sent them, him $25 on, I think, an Apple gift card or something in the mail for his inconvenience of having a slower phone. Yeah, and I understand why they do it because the batteries at a certain time with lithium ions do start to decay and they underperform. Yeah, and uh, people, people who don't know about technology really don't understand things like that. So they're just like, oh, they just want to take my money. They're just... Exactly. Oh, you they're know, this they're, they're a greedy corporation, corporation, you know. But I mean, yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, technology yeah. advances. So that's another driving yeah. factor. Too, you know, everybody yeah, wants to have, have the, a, best the, best. the best of the best. So we just you need can't to have a hard drive from 2005 and a processor from 2020 and expect them to, you know. Yeah, it's gonna work like it's it's gonna yeah it's gonna be really shitty. <laughs> All right, well, I think we're getting pretty close to the end here. Uh, 
Eric, you got anything else, man, that you want to cover before we move on to our good news story? Yeah, we're we're an hour and ten minutes deep, gentlemen. Yeah, as far as uh my last, I guess my last thing I want to do is kind of like a roundtable thing. Uh, go around and ask everybody, you know, y'all about maybe any personal experience with UFOs that y'all may have had over time, you know, from any time in your life, whether it was by yourself or with anybody. Uh, and I'll start, and uh, whoever wants to go next and so forth can go. Uh, me personally, I have never, I'll be honest, I've never had a true UFO experience, but I have had some pretty crazy things that I've seen as far as looking up into space and seeing different, you know, patterns of stars and, you know, shooting stars moving and stuff. But I've never honestly seen a true UFO. You know, I'm not going to say I have because, you know, I've seen lights flashing and whatnot in the, in the sky. But, you know, personally, no, I haven't had really anything interesting that I've ever seen in the sky as far as a UFO goes. I've only ever seen videos like the ones that the Pentagon released and, you know, so forth and so on. So, but uh, whoever wants to go next and, uh, if y'all have had any personal experiences, I'd really like to hear about them because, you know, I, they're really cool to see, you know? So. Yeah, and so uh, I can chime in on that. Uh, I was uh, living in Smyrna, Tennessee, almost at Mount Juliet City Line at, um, at uh, off of Rock, uh, Rockdale Fellowship Road. And uh, I was about seven or eight years old, somewhere in that ballpark. And um, I'm in the backyard with my brother. We were playing on the swing set. And I look up. And see this really shiny thing in the sky above this tree that we had over the shed in the backyard. And it was just kind of there. And I, I thought, oh, it's just a, an airplane, you know, way up high because there's an airport nearby. Um, Smyrna and Nashville. But this thing never moved. And it had no sound whatsoever. So literally for like 30 minutes, it was there. And I got the foresight said, hey, dad. I ran in the house. He had an old, old film camera. And I said, can I borrow your camera and take a couple of pictures? And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. But don't take, don't use up all my film is basically what he said. So, <laughs> so I went outside with this camera and I've got like eight or 10 pictures of, I want to see them. I have them in my closet <laughs> put away. I don't have them scanned into a computer, but I developed them at Walgreens or CVS, you know, year like 20 years ago. And I still have pictures of that to this day that I took. And I always thought that was really cool. And that's the only thing that I've ever seen. That's pretty cool. I never saw it move. I never saw it go away. I just remember after I was done taking pictures and we put the camera back up in the house and we came back out, we didn't see it anymore. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That, that's all I got. Anybody else? Uh, yeah. I, so if you're familiar with I-65 between Franklin and Brentwood. Yeah. Okay. So if you're heading from Franklin, you go around a pretty decent curve off to the right. It's not a whole lot of trees and stuff, just clear sky. Right. So it was at night I was driving home from work. I lived in Antioch at the time was working in Franklin and I saw three lights spaced out in a triangle massive and they weren't moving dead serious this was one of the weirdest things i've ever seen and then in unison they kind of spun oh wow same distance mm. go around a little bit more and you run into some trees got past the trees they were gone wow how high up would you say that this was i have no it was it was at night i have no idea any sound that you can recall? No, because I was on the interstate. Okay. So 
Well, okay, so you were, in the, you were in the call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How much time did you lose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, so did your ass hurt the next day? No, it was, it was, it was fine. Uh, but no, it was it was really strange because like I saw it and I was sitting there and I was just like that just that looks different. That does not look like because you know over towards that way is B and A. So I was like maybe they're kind of getting in you know certain way for landing at the airport or something like that. And then when they kind of spun in unison. I mean, this whole thing happened in about 15 seconds, you know, because like I said, I was driving on the interstate, but literally you could see it kind of just kind of spin kind of. Did you, would you say it was three individual objects or one really big object? Because, you know, the the Phoenix lights, everybody says it was one gigantic, huge, huge object. If I had to guess, I would say individual. Okay. And it was just in a formation. I, I'm I'm not positive. I, like I said, that's a but, delta formation. That's a military formation. And if you saw like so, imagine if you're on like a dirt road, like a straight dirt road, and about a quarter mile away is a streetlight, mm-hmm. about that size. Okay. So not not huge. I mean, I mean, it was still but big, big enough to notice in the sky. Definitely, because it was brighter than right. a star, and it was not. And honestly, it was brighter than what a normal airplane would be at like similar altitude. But it was it was very, it's very notably very something strange. that was not common, yeah. you know, that yeah. you see in the sky. Yeah. And so I don't know what it was to this day. I'm not going to say it was a UFO. I mean, technically, I guess it was, it was, unidentified. It was unidentified. Yeah. But it was just literally, I, I mean, it, it's so vivid in my mind remembering yeah. how it looked. It, and to this day, when I think about it, I'm just like, I wish I could see something like that again and get more information on it because you know because i was thinking in my head is it airplanes okay maybe it's like helicopters because you know we have national guard bases like but it didn't have any flashing lights it was solid that's weird yeah there was not any on any of the three there was not a single light that flashed Hmm. yeah Hmm. so that and then like i said i went past those trees and between the start of the trees and the end of the trees was probably another I don't know, six seconds, maybe. And it's gone. Gone. All three lights. Bizarre, dude. And when when did this happen, you said? This was probably 2000, it's probably 2010-ish, 2011. Okay. So, because I was still working in Franklin and I was living in Antioch. And I believe... Hannah was off that day because at that time we were carpooling and I think I was coming home after closing and we closed at nine. So, I mean, it was, it was nighttime, Wow! but it was, it was definitely something I will always remember. Like it was, it was definitely weird. That's cool. You know, I've never cool. personally seen anything or even any other UFO videos personally, you know, on the internet like that. But, um, uh, uh, Sean, have you, you know, your personal experiences, you know, have you ever had a personal UFO experience? Uh, I mean, unless like getting really high when I was 18 and forgetting I was watching a movie counts. No, no, not really. (laughs) I think that counts personally. You know how many times, Sean, you remember all those bonfires we had at the lake? You know how many times I would sit there and look at the stars because it was pitch black, just hoping I would see something. Yeah, man. Yeah. I used to do the same shit. Stargaze. Yeah. It's amazing just going out there and just looking, man. It it really is. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely uh, miss doing stuff like that. 
<clears throat> well, cool, guys. This was uh, this has definitely been a fun conversation. Great uh, topic. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, absolutely. We uh, we may in the future have to revisit and talk some. We'll we'll definitely talk some more space and stuff for sure. Yeah, for sure, and, and maybe get some. More, oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe touch on some specific, well documented encounters, UFOs encounters that that, are, that cool. made news, you know, yeah. headlines because there are a lot of popular ones throughout the last. I mean, we're talking five years. Well, 70 yeah. years for sure. Well, I know. I'm just saying, even just in the last five years. Yeah. I mean, very recently. Yeah. So, because that, that event that happened in 2015, that, that's that, a big deal. That was a big deal. And we're not the only military yeah. that's seen stuff like that. Either. No, not at all. There was reports from all over the world. Mexico, their yeah. Air Force has also caught yep. the same stuff. They, they can see it in infrared, but they can't see it with the naked eye. So it's like it's invisible to the naked mm. eye. They've got their own video too. And it was in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do another uh, more specific like incident video. Yeah, we can. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I'm being honest, I could I could turn this into a whole different series <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah, really could. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe we do. Maybe we maybe we yeah. do a separate podcast on science fiction and and futurism and UFOs and space. Maybe we do. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Just uh, you know, what we talk about. Uh, somebody want to um does somebody want to hit the good news story of the day? Yeah, I got one right here actually. <clears throat> so this one's gonna be coming to us again from the goodnewsnetwork.org. Um the first firefighting robot in America helped put out a blaze in downtown LA. So earlier this week, the LA Fire Department became the first city in the country to add a firefighting robot to their ranks. It has already proven its metal on the front lines. It weighs about 3,500 pounds. The Thermite Robotic Systems 3 Firefighting Vehicle, or RS3 for short, is capable of deploying 2,500 gallons of water per minute. Damn. It's also remote controlled by a handheld device from a safe distance. It also has high oh, definition video streaming that the operator can easily maneuver the robot through difficult conditions in the field. It says it's about the same size as a smart car, but and is small enough to fit through a set of double doors, while also being strong enough to plow its way through a wall should the need arise. Damn! Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty awesome. Do they have a picture of it? Can you they des- do. can you describe what it looks like? Uh, it looks like a miniature bulldozer, um, <laughs> with. It almost looks like a miniature tank, but instead yeah, of the okay. cannon, it's a water cannon. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so just imagine like how many firefighters die in wildfires every year just using this, how much that's going to help save lives and stuff. Yeah. You could eliminate oh, yeah. that altogether. Yeah. Just fight fires. Well, well man. think about how we do drone strikes over on the other side of the world. Yeah. You could literally have firefighters sitting in a bunker somewhere just controlling robots fighting the fires for eight yeah. hours and they swap Any, shifts. Anywhere. And it <laughs> robots even, don't get tired. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be for wildfires. It can literally be any kind of fire. Yeah. Which yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. Then then when That's they so then cool, when they man. tie Talk. AI to that, those things will go out and fight fires by themselves. You just watch. Yeah, that's amazing. The efforts it'll it'll help into into wildfires and any fires. You know, literally firefighters could it could be one man on call with a like, you know, his own basically yeah. his own yeah. robot, his you own know, fleet. Yeah, like you know, just go out and you know, be sitting in the truck and just you know, control the robot and put out the fire, you know. Well, and think Same about with- some of these wildfires, 
like just what happened in Gatlinburg with the wildfires a few years back. 2017. Where, where it was inaccessible for people to get to, they could parachute in these freaking robots and control it that way. Like, right in the center, right in the heart of the fire. Yeah, literally right in the middle of the fire. Yeah, the only thing that, that is going to be difficult is refueling these things with water once they're out. Well, you could even drop right. a supply tank with it, like have it as a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, know? I'm sure they would have. I'm sure they do. And if they did make it like an advanced, quote unquote, army of these, you know, firefighting robots, I'm sure they would have some type of advanced yeah. reload technology well, for them. Even or- if you drop it in the center and you douse it and you get a, a certain area covered, then you'd be able to fly in. I got one better, guys. You drop the fucking robot. You put a big ass drill bit on the back of it and it drills a well into the natural <laughs> water table oh and God. has an infinite source to fight the fire. Oh Fuck God. yeah. I mean, in the mountain, it may be technology. hard to find that, but yeah, it may be pretty well, deep. We just, use those, <laughs> we just use those bombs that like suck all the oxygen out of the fire. I mean, I feel like that'd be pretty effective. You know, China's doing that. They have, they're shooting missiles with the, the material the yeah i'm i'm dead serious <laughs> no it just reminded me of yeah. trump like they were talking about trump saying drop nukes on hurricanes to stop hurricanes. Uh, yeah oh my gosh <laughs> well actually that's oh this is real. yeah but trump's not the one who came up with know, that they they were that. talking about doing that in the 50s yeah because they were doing nuclear tests they're like hey if we're going to test a nuke let's see what happens if we drop it on a hurricane that'd be very interesting <clears> to and, see right. what happens. in theory well, that tells it would anything about the man's mindset yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, along with the rest of the ecosystem. Uh, not necessarily. They've done plenty of yeah, testing. They do the yeah, they do the high high altitude bursts. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And the fallout's really it's minimal. Yeah, it's that, very minimal. Very minimal. That's the it's the safest way to de- detonate a nuke, and it actually does more destruction rather than ground explosion. Exploding. We'll it. just rain on my parade then. Yeah. Well, uh, the only reason I know <laughs> your parade is got canceled is because I am like clearly I love nuclear bombs. Like it's so fascinating. I've I'm on. I subscribe to a channel on uh, YouTube where, as the U.S. government's declassifying its nuclear tests, this person um, uh, takes the videos and redoes them in modern definition so that you can see them in really good detail and post them on YouTube. That's it's incredible. Yeah. Dude, that's so cool. Please send me that link. Yeah, I will. It's a great YouTube channel. And as uh, um, the largest Russian nuclear or hydrogen bomb that had ever been dropped um, was just declassified, and he posted the footage of that. And that is just scary, man. Absolutely terrifying. Oh, sure. But yeah, I'll send a link to that for you guys. Um, well, awesome. Eric, we appreciate you joining us tonight yes, for this episode. And um, It's been a great we uh, we would uh, like to have you back on to talk about it in the future. I'm sure, and um, keep doing what you're doing, man. And hopefully, uh, you can talk your buddy out of that nonsense. Uh, the Earth's flat. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed, you know, the past couple of episodes of the podcast. You know, when Sean, you know, first told me about it. You know, he told the first one I actually listened to was the Elon Musk one, and it was very, uh, very interesting, and I liked it a lot. So. Um, I really have enjoyed this myself. Uh, thank you all again for having me. And uh, my, as far as my buddy goes, um, I'm going to try my hardest. You know, I have tried multiple times. He, this was a couple <laughs> years ago when he first, you know, exposed this thought to me. So, um, that's all right. Just make sure you listen to this podcast. Yeah. This oh, yeah. Most definitely. And uh, for the viewers, uh, you know, if, if you're watching this, uh, 
if you're watching this podcast though uh, from me um if you know you're not that deep into ufos and you know you're coming here listening you're finding out about ufos i encourage all of you to uh Go uh, do some research on UFOs and space and whatnot and uh, get into it because it's a very interesting topic, you know, like we've been talking about the whole time, you know, space is unpredictable, you know, you know, there's so many possibilities and things that you can find out. So, uh, you know, to people who uh, want to get into UFOs and stuff, you know, I very highly encourage it. And, uh, you know, once again, guys, thank you all for having me. I very much enjoyed it, you know, listening to other people's opinions that are uh, logical and not. <laughs> the government turning off stars with a flip and not a logic you know? man that's the whole point of this podcast too is is to be able to have a conversation and and try to actually describe what you're saying without yeah you it's know. it's nice to talk yeah. to someone who can elaborate yeah, on it exactly. and not yeah, you know exactly. defer from it you know yeah. so. or start yeah, getting absolutely. defensive and you know then it turns into yeah or just get angry because the earth is so flat you know what i'm saying so. <laughs> 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 I, I hate the spreads easier right yeah. <laughs> yeah, you be careful though. The hate might fill up the earth and fall off the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, cool guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. But Jinx. Go ahead, Ian. Yo, you owe me a coat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. I was just gonna say, um, I, I again, thanks everybody for tuning in with us and hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. Um, where we haven't discovered, we haven't discussed what the next topic's going to be, but we'll find out between now and the next episode releases. And uh, as always, check out unbiasedfreedom.com. Uh, if you're interested, leave us a message. We'll talk about it on air. We'll even if it's just a comment, um, whatever you have to say, say it. You know. Yeah, we're also almost to 300 likes on our Facebook. Once we get that, we will be doing a T-shirt giveaway. So I think that'll be pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. That'll yeah, awesome. we're also still we're also still running the contest for the first person to send us an audio question uh, because nobody has done that yet. That so is correct. If you have a if you have a question uh, that you want to hear our answer to, please get out there, send us one. We'll answer it real time on the podcast. Yeah, don't be a pansy. Let's go. <laughs> Looking at you, whoever's thinking about sending it. That's right. And has it. <laughs> Yeah, we're calling you out right now, man. Don't even know who you are, but it's you, Pansy. You bastard. <laughs> we're just kidding. Kind of. We we love you guys. I mean. Seriously. <laughs> no, we have enjoyed seeing the growth and everything. And uh, now we're getting, you know, more likes. We just want to, we want to get more interaction. Um, our last video premiere, we had quite a bit of interaction during the, the premiere. Yeah. Uh, that was really nice to see. So we love seeing that. We want to, we want to get some more of that. So. All right. Well, uh, again, Eric, thanks for, for hanging out with us. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for this episode. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, take care. You guys have a fantastic week. As always, as always, thanks and good night. Peace.